0: Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. With over 20 years in healthcare, Dr. Gray is a doctor of oriental medicine and holistic physician fusing eastern and western healing. Dr. Gray is on staff at Jupiter Medical Center and in private practice with an office in Jupiter, Florida, where he resides. Dr. Gray enjoys being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Baden-Baden, Germany, and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and Biarritz, France. He is co author of several books on food therapy and the founder of the annual Star Summit Talks at the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach, Florida. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray.
1: Teas to the round, founder, infusionary foot linguistic scanter, helpless in the entity, see the cage bird at the bosom of the angry shortfall. One finds a fistful, all engaging. All engaging. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, Quality Living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. Thank you for joining us. As always, we have a wonderful guest in the studio with us. Um, sometimes it's on the phone, but today in the studio. And um, I was fortunate to get uh, two amazing individuals from Treasure Coast Hospice. Um, I wanted to talk about hospice because it's it's really you know as a holistic physician, I deal with uh, beginning of life, end of life. and and everywhere in the middle and um, you know hospice has long been a word that you think of just end-of-life but I've learned there's so much more to this organization and I'm fortunate to have with me in the studio two principal uh, people from treasure goes hospice we have April um, April Price clinical director Yes. yes, and uh, we also have Ms. Jackie Nardone, and she's the director of grief support and pediatric services. Um, so we're going to really look at how hospice has evolved, how it's taking care of individuals, patients, families, family members, um, and and progressing in a way that we. Um, well, I have seen them be effective in helping so many families, and uh, especially during this time when it's been quite a challenging um, effort. I'm sure during the health crisis we know as the COVID era.
0: Yes, uh, it has, um, and it's great to be here. We. You know, we've struggled over the last year or so since COVID started with staffing and and meeting the needs of patients who might have COVID, um, but it's been a great learning opportunity
1: for us. Mm-hmm. The how did things change prior to over a year ago? Now
0: um, they've changed a lot. We um, we have dedicated some of our inpatients space to patients who have COVID um, so that we can meet their needs in a safe environment for our other patients as well. Um, we have been tracking our staff very, very closely um, following CDC and Florida guidelines on um, managing staff in healthcare to ensure that our, our other staff and our buildings and our patients stay safe. So it's been quite an undertaking.
1: So as clinical director, April, what what is it What is your job comprised of?
0: Um, Well, I I help to oversee our pediatric program, our on-call services, our um, teams who go into patients' homes and care for patients and families there. Um, I work with the grief and bereavement support team um, and our inpatient um, units. We have two inpatient units, one in the Stewart area and one in Port St. Lucie.
1: Hmm. How long has hospice been around?
0: Oh, hospice has been around um, really since the 60s. Mm -hmm. Um, It became a a national um, Medicare covered entity in the 80s. So it's been around for quite a while now.
1: What's their original mandate compared to what it is now? for those that may not understand how to utilize a hospice um well it was
0: it after it was tested early on um couple of several decades ago um, president Reagan signed into law a, a Medicare hospice benefit so anybody with Medicare can receive hospice services free of charge if they have Medicare
1: mm-hmm. and and so what what's their when I say what's their mandate I mean wh- what it, when you went to work for hospice for instance what was it about hospice that you wanted to do? Like, what what intrigued you about them? What oh, it, what oh enticed you about them? What turned you on? <laughs> a- as <laughs> about a, as a nurse, for
0: as a nurse, it was very exciting to get to go into patients' homes, yeah. really get to know patients and families a- a on a more intimate level yeah. in the in the setting they call home. Mm-hmm. Um, but a- a- over time, it really became a way of life for me. It became a calling because I had never done anything as a nurse prior to that or even since then that was as satisfying, personally satisfying as that was. Um, being able to really make a difference in people's lives at in the moment
1: mm-hmm.
0: was very exciting for me.
1: That So that calling and in the moment, that's what I want to talk mm-hmm. about. What is that? What is the calling and what is the moment? Um,
0: well, the calling is to Is to come into a situation that seems like it can't, there's nothing that can make it better and to find ways that can make it better. Mm. Um, And the moment is the moment that that's happening. A lot of times it's patients who are very uncomfortable or family members who are really overwhelmed. Um, with psychosocial issues, which is one of the, the major things that we do in, the, in hospice is um, help manage psychosocial issues with families, patients.
1: So psychosocial, that's where the psychology of what's going on, mm-hmm. um, the loss or the, the impending loss. It could be
0: financial problems. Okay. It, it could be um, access to care issues that they might be having. It's so many things that we can step in and help um, find resources for.
1: Okay. Now, grief support, Jackie, that's your department, right? Mm -hmm, Grief support and um, pediatric services. So tell us a little bit about that department and so that really, you're really getting into the, you know, let's start with the grief support.
2: Great. Um, Yeah, our grief support is uh, such a vital component of the work that we do at Treasure Coast Hospice in supporting our patients and our families. Oftentimes, my team will get involved with family members prior to a patient dying. Just so we can start working on some of those complicated grief reactions and just helping them through that process um, as well as walking with them and being present with them when their loved one has you know is dying and has died Um, and then we will continue with the family the family long after their loved one has died that um, we have individual counseling and group counseling family counseling um, we do special programs We're actually planning a a family retreat coming up um, in in May. One of the things that I I guess I'm so lucky and blessed to work at Treasure Coast Hospice because we also have these programs open to our community. Mm -hmm. Um, So your loved one doesn't need to die on hospice care. That we're able to provide that same level of grief support to anyone who's dealing with the anticipated or the death of a loved one, which then opens up you know, children coming in whose parents maybe were in a car accident, or um, parents who've lost children. I mean, mm-hmm. just with un- without a medical component to it. So we're we're blessed to be able to offer that to our community.
1: Now, and you touched on something that something that no parent wants to think about. No one wants to think about in general is is the death of a child. Mm-hmm. So that's the pediatric department. How does that How does that differ from the elderly? Um,
2: so it's it's similar in that we have hospice care for pediatrics, um, except they're just a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And we have a specially designated team um, for the pediatric population. I, I'm gonna say probably about 10 years ago when we would get children on hospice care, we didn't have a team that specialized in pediatrics. So it would be you know an RN whose maybe focus was elderly and then they have to get into this situation um, with kids, which is different, right. um, as well as the social workers, chaplain, um, CNAs, the whole team. Um, so again, about 10 years ago we were able to have a dedicated pediatric team which truly has made a difference um, in the lives of the kids as well as the, the parents that um, have to be in that situation. And one thing I do want to mention so I don't forget to mention it is that um, recently I don't know how long ago, but there's a benefit that's called concurrent care, which allows a family to make a decision to have hospice care for their child, but they don't have to give up any other services, mm-hmm. which that's a huge difference with the adult hospice. Um, so this allows a child to receive the hospice and palliative care support and education and medi- you know and that that part. But if there's something that requires, a hospital stay or a specialist, they can continue to receive that treatment, which which is huge and has made a huge difference in the the pediatric world of mm. hospice.
1: What are some cases, uh, and, and and are they growing in terms of pediatric, uh, you know, involvement? Is it is it the department that's growing, and, and why would you say?
2: Um, I think that there, you know, there's always there has always been children who have died, and mm. I think. I believe that um, they've died in the hospital, right? So we didn't know about them, and as we get the word out and more and more of our people get out there to tell them about that we have hospice for kids, um, we have seen a little a little growth. Um, the highest, you know, the the highest amount of kids we've had on servers at any time has been about nine kids mm-hmm. for our hospice program. Um, and We see all types of illnesses that are coming on. You know, we have we have cancer. We have um, neurological disorders um, Really as long as they meet criteria for hospice mm-hmm. care um, They're able to be on our program
1: how, how long whether it's a child or an elderly person? What's the longest someone might utilize hospice as a way to transition?
2: Um, it, it depends and again, we are, we're mandated by criteria Mm -hmm. so we have to go through a process where um, our medical team and you can speak more to this but our medical team has to basically certify that this person continues to meet the hospice eligibility criteria and as long as as long as we're able to show that they can stay on for however long the duration of their illness is because it's an estimated guess so to speak that um, someone has six months or less to live but that we don't know that Mm. you know
1: yeah, Miss April, can you talk to that, and, and and also one thing I want to talk about is you two strike me as very caring individuals, not just knowledgeable, but caring and compassionate, so I would think as clinical director, you you, you look for certain um, aspects in people that are hired in and um, and join the team that may be different than a hospital mm-hmm. setting where it's very much, uh, it can be very much a cold place. Um,
0: yeah, um, it is a different setting, a different care setting, so um, people who are drawn to hospice and stay in it are generally um, drawn to taking care of patients with very high acuity needs mm-hmm. and and uh, very compassionate and work well in a, a, a less structured environment than the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we're generally looking for people to come and work for us who, who fall into those categories. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, uh, in terms of eligibility for hospice, um, in order, you know, anything that Medicare covers is going to require that we do a lot of, of um, administrative work to help patients. And so we're looking for certain criteria that's based on the person's diagnosis. And then we are we're looking to see what their prognosis is meaning how how long do we expect this person is going to live um there's no limitation um there's no medicare has never put a limitation on how much hospice you can get okay so um so we do have some ability to you know to evaluate what's going on individually with a patient and sometimes our patients come off service we we sort of uh, call it graduating. Um, they, they come off service without, um, um, because they don't have the criteria to be able to stay on and then they, they can come on again later if they So decline. they might
1: be in a situation where their mota- mortality is questioned and they're given sort of this uh, idea that hey, you know, you're, you're going to be checking out soon or transitioning. It, it, it does or, happen from time then, to time. And then somehow through being with you all and receiving obviously some really great care and who knows what else uh, some, some divine intervention and love, extra love from family and you know whatever uh, we can attest these different cases to they come out of it and re-enter life so to speak is that the case?
0: Um, well, they they re-enter their their um, their regular uh, Medicare benefit. Okay. So, um, you know, we try to help them stay in their life. That's okay. one of the, one of the things you asked earlier was why do we see growth? And uh, a part of the reason is because I think our culture culture is moving more toward a quality of life. Mm. Um expectation especially at end of life than Mm -hmm. the hospital setting for a place to go to die and people often would really rather die in their homes and we do everything we can to honor that and um encourage and and even help find ways to get them to their social to you know their favorite social events and to church and and things that they like to do
1: yes that changes things and and do you see that with children too miss jackie Absolutely. Yeah, where um, they maybe start with inpatient hospice, then transition right. out. Or um,
2: well, because of that concurrent care benefit, yeah. um, we are seeing kids staying on hospice longer. I mean, we've had our, our kids have been on for a couple of years, mm-hmm. again, as so a meeting criteria, because they don't have to choose. They don't have to choose between hospice and a curative treatment Mm -hmm. or some kind of benefit to help them. So our kids typically stay on um, longer Mm -hmm. um, because we don't have to discharge them most of the time.
1: Right. So you take a supportive stance rather Mm -hmm. than a sort of of end-of-life stance and um, education support, you know. um, With the growth of your scope, which seems to be growing and, and, and meeting the needs of families and you know, new diseases, new problems, new syndromes, new social settings. Um, are you implementing new types of treatments, care, um, integrative or otherwise, holistic? You know, for instance, as Trisha Coast. Hospice off reducing, I don't know. <laughs> well, we're <laughs> and, you know. always
0: looking for the most updated, evidence based, yeah. really cutting edge palliative care mm-hmm. um, that we can provide our patients. And we have access to pharmacists. Um, Many of them are, are um, palliative care certified physicians. We have multiple physicians on staff mm-hmm. um, who have palliative care backgrounds, and we're you know we're regularly reviewing studies and, and doing yeah. everything that we can to make sure that our patients get the the very best palliative care that's available to them
1: has that transition into utilizing acupuncture and juicing and uh, well it's it's, and it's all individualized <laughs> to the patient
0: and yes we do we oh, do yes. use those really? um okay. yeah and often uh, you know we do have a volunteer program we mm-hmm. have a lot of volunteers who come um, able to do we, we do massage therapy mm-hmm. uh, music therapy mm-hmm. And I'm sure we've had people who do Reiki. Mm-hmm. I've, I've yeah, experienced that. Yeah, the healing touch that. buddies. Have mm-hmm. they come
1: come up there? Do you know that? I, I'm not There's sure. Some ladies. Okay, they're more around here, but l- I've had them on my show, and they, they I think they, they
0: we see. would welcome them absolutely, um, absolutely would welcome them. Um, but yeah, we're we're open to all of those things, and w- and yes, I have personally experienced mm-hmm. patients who've been getting acupuncture, mm-hmm. and we continue to do that. And
2: yeah. our and our massage therapist that we have on board, um, she just became recently certified in aromatherapy. Mm. So she's incorporating aromatherapy with her massage right. therapy and then our music right. therapy program right. has just grown. I mean, it, we're, we're really seeing how we can support the patient and family in a different way.
1: Yeah, how do you utilize the music therapy? Just
2: The music therapies are used um, with our adult patients as well as our kids mm-hmm. and to help with pain, mm. um, agitation, anxiety. They do some life review um, yeah. as well. They do some recordings with the you know with the patient. We have one recently where um, it was a dementia patient and the music therapist was with her and the dementia patient just started singing and remembering you know something mm-hmm. from some time in her life and um, we were able to record that with the family's permission and now the family has a you know a recording of mom singing and you know that they have that so like a like a legacy project All that right. they have.
1: It's
0: it's wonderful to see the music therapists go in with their their guitars and and sing and get people excited and and, um, singing along with them.
1: And I'm sure you use uh, pet therapy or animal Mm -hmm. therapy. Mm -hmm. That's become very popular everywhere, so I've Mm -hmm. seen a lot more. Um, The hard question what does it look like when there are no more options and you just know that this patient doesn't have much longer? What can someone expect to experience who knows nothing about hospice and knows nothing about end-of-life care, um, medication-wise, care-wise, specialist-wise? What what does that picture look like?
0: They can expect to have medications or treatments or both that will make them comfortable at end-of-life. They can expect the family members can expect to have support from our interdisciplinary team, that means our social workers, chaplains, our nurses, our physicians, our nurse practitioners, all of our ancillary services like music therapy. Um, they can expect to have all of those things there to help support them during a very difficult time. They can expect, the family can expect to have bereavement services, which are grief um, and bereavement counseling for at least a year following the death of a loved one. Um, they can expect to have all of the support they need right there in their home. Um, we, and we we work very hard to make sure that that, that, that experience is, is as good an experience as it can be, given the circumstances.
1: Mm. Um, and this is a question I think I want to hear from both of you, and this is something that I've seen, and thankfully not so much, but it, it comes up. When does a family member or family unit feel that it's okay to transition to hospice versus holding on um, what what are signs to look for in a person what what denotes what should denote quality of life I don't know if people you know I see that with humans and pets where they keep them suspended mm-hmm. in situations not for the good of that person who is facing mortality but for their own emotional support mm-hmm. um, and at the you know un, un, unfortunate um, occurrence of that person's uncomfortable and, and lack of quality of living so what are some key signs to look for
0: well we're we generally educate people that we're looking for um, functional decline so that would mean somebody who's having more trouble walking or getting out of bed. Maybe they're sleeping more. Maybe they've lost their appetite or they're losing their appetite. They're not drinking as much as they used to. They're losing weight. Those are the the kind of things um, in light of a disease process. When people get to a certain point in a disease process or uh, they're of advanced age that that we're looking for, and that's pretty much how we educate the public on what to look for in terms of um, when somebody might start thinking about hospice,
1: so physical decline, appetite decline, where they're just losing weight and not eating, mental acuity where they're mm-hmm. not there, they um, might be
0: falling a lot.
1: Falling a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I th- can,
2: if I can add to that yeah. as well, um, one of the things that is so important, and I know it's it's difficult for families, but is to have that conversation. Um, you know, be able to sit with your loved one and say when the time comes what is this gonna look like for you what what do you want what are your wishes Um, oftentimes families just because we want to keep going we want our loved one to keep going but we don't have that conversation and that's just vital so to kind of answer your question you know have your have listeners have people really just start asking their loved one listen when the time comes what do you want this to look like do you want treatment do you want to go to the hospital and, and if if we're able, as a person, to listen and hear what our loved one's saying, oftentimes they're telling you, I don't want to go to the hospital anymore. I don't want to do any more treatment. I want to stay home. Mm-hmm. I want to be with my family for whatever time mm-hmm. I have left. But the patient may keep going because the loved one's like, let's go. Right. and. Right. You just gotta you gotta be open to have that conversation, and it's and it is it's hard. It's a hard conversation, but you gotta have
1: it. And it comes down to quality of life. What Mm -hmm. does quality of life look like for you, yourself, your loved one, your children? You know, that is a hard question to ask because people think in terms of quantity of life, which in some cases is not at all what we should be looking at. Um, How do people contact Treasure Coast Hospice and? become, you know, uh, really, really versed in their, uh, in your offerings? And, you know, is there a website they can look at to really become familiar with all the services you offer? Yeah,
2: there's a website, um, which I'll give you in one one minute, and our phone number. And one of the things that we also have made very easy for our our family members Mm -hmm. is that they can, you know, do a contact me. They fill out a, a form on our website. We contact them. That way they can go on it. 10, 11, 1 o'clock in the morning, and still have their questions answered instead okay. of having to wait between 9 and 5 because that doesn't occur between 9 and 5. Right.
0: Right. And that website is treasurehealth.org, all one word, treasurehealth.org. And you can reach us at our main number, which is
2: 772-403-4500.
1: Beautiful. Well, Miss April Price and Miss Jackie, this has been a wonderful Time of education becoming a little bit more comfortable with a subject that I don't think it's just we just don't like talking about, um, but we need to, and that I think is one of the really important um, lessons that we hopefully will our audience will hear is that you do have these conversations every once in a while with your family. I know. I you know with one with one of my dad's my biological one he never wanted to talk about it and he and even after his second stroke it, he's going to live forever and he didn't and all he did was create more it was it, it was hard for me just to grieve as a son who has to worry about all those other things going on um that should have been dealt with beforehand and prepared for so that I could have that time to grieve, and I don't even know if I've still done it. <laughs> you know, oh, it because comes it, it comes and goes. It right. comes um, and goes. So yes, listen, talk, and um, contact Treasure Coast Hospice for if you're in that area, or contact the hospice of your area. Because this this radio show does go all over, and we we appreciate you listening to us um, every week. And if you've missed any portion of the show, we are available via all uh, major podcasts. So thank you, and see you next time. And thank you both for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. This has been another Maximum Health Quality Living. See you next time. you fell for...